Hello, and welcome to another episode of Red Medicine, a podcast exploring health, medicine, and radical politics. In this episode, I'll be speaking to Joe Glenton about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, specifically its relationship to right-wing conspiracy theory culture and fascist politics. Before we get onto that though, I'd like to remind people to go and subscribe to The Supplement, a newsletter from Red Medicine, which provides a monthly roundup of the best writing on health, medicine and politics from friends of the podcast, as well as further afield. The newsletter is also going to feature excerpts from forthcoming books and new writing by myself. You can find the supplement at www.redmedicine.xyz forward slash supplement. Joe Glenton is a journalist, filmmaker and award-winning writer. He is the author of Veteranhood, which was published by Repeater Books in 2021, which is a book about the political world of veterans and militarism in Britain. Joe is a veteran turned conscientious objector and anti-war campaigner who served in Afghanistan before going AWOL and using the ensuing legal battle to mount a critique of the war on terror and British imperialism. In this conversation, we discuss Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, a combat sport with a complex and intimate relationship with various currents of right-wing politics. I asked Joe about the dominant culture within the sport and its cosy relationship to Brazilian fascism, past and present. We then discuss Comunidad Jiu-Jitsu, an invitation-only gym which Joe has founded to create a welcoming and inclusive space for Jiu-Jitsu built on commitments to anti-racism, LGBTQ plus inclusion and gender equality. I thought we'd just start really basic, actually, and just ask you to kind of explain a little bit about what Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is. So for like a complete beginner who's maybe heard the phrase, doesn't know what it is, like how would you describe it? Yeah, uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, I suppose it's a strange beast. I, I mean, really, when you get down to it, the story of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is a story of globalisation. There's a large population of Japanese origin in Brazil and judo found its way there. And um, over the years... Um, was adopted by various people, the Gracies, who we'll get into, and it, it kind of morphed and changed. So judo, particularly the standing element, is the main thing in a competition. You can throw someone and win straight away. Whereas jiu-jitsu is famous for fighting on the ground. It's a grappling sport with gi, the pyjamas, the funky pyjamas, and without gi. And so it's, it's really, it has all the judo stuff and all the wrestling, like freestyle wrestling, rather than WWE um, stuff in it. But it's also particularly sophisticated as a ground fighting, a way of fighting on the ground, taking people down or getting up off the ground. Um, that's where it's particularly sophisticated. So it's just a way of controlling people and submitting people, hurting people. And it's it's basically, the principles are very basic. It's like levers and frames and angles and pressure and leverage, um, which makes it sound much simpler than it is when you actually do it to a beginner. But that's fundamentally what it is. It's just about controlling someone else, someone else's body on the ground. And it's done, as I said, I'm a gi guy. Um, so yeah. I like I like the funky pyjamas, the pyjama drama, yeah. as we call it at my club. And but increasingly popular is no gi, which will be much more familiar to people who've seen the grappling element of MMA, of mixed martial arts. So it kind of yeah. looks like that. So that's basically it. Yeah, and it's technically quite different. What you can and can't do with the gi kind of changes the style, yes. doesn't it? Yeah, there are some big differences. Obviously, the gi is a weapon and you can use the gi to choke people and control people and tie people up in their lapels, which I particularly am fond of. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, the, and the Nogi game has really taken off. The thing about jujitsu is I I love it. It's but it's very niche. And gi jujitsu, unless you know what's going on, is the most tedious sport <laughs> to watch for for the uninitiated. I love it because I'm really into it. But um, no gi, I think is much. It's easier on the eye, and I think you, people can relate it more to MMA. And um, for that reason, it's become very popular. And the leg lock, leg attacks, particular kinds of ways of twisting up people's legs have become very popular recently. And so no gear's taken off. And it's just, it's probably more exciting to watch. It's quicker, it's slipperier, and it's more dynamic. Yeah. And so what's your background? I mean, you obviously practice. It's obviously something you've, you've done for a while. But how did you first get into it? And how long have you been kind of involved with the sport? So I, uh, I my background in martial arts is much predates jiu-jitsu by a long time i was really into kickboxing in my kind of late teens i've done karate when i was a kid um and i did various things i boxed in the army i did train krav maga when i was out in australia I did a bit of mma here and there but jiu-jitsu started i think i was not hadn't been long in london so maybe 2012 i was doing a bit of nogi and wrestling at a place called KO MMA and KO Muay Thai in Bethnal Green. And um, I had always sworn to myself I hated the pyjama. I wouldn't do anything with pyjamas, in it, anything with a stupid outfit, which is weird now because I love the gi. Um, but there was a, a very famous jiu-jitsu practitioner called Shaolin Hibero who came to that gym to do a no-gi seminar. And it was an MMA and Muay Thai gym. And he did a really cool seminar. But he was at the end, he was like, how many of you train gi? Um, and all the MMA guys were like, Pfft. And, and understandably, MMA guys don't have a lot of time and enough hours in the day to add in some gi. It's not much use to them. But he was like, if you really want to learn jiu-jitsu, he's not very, very much a traditionalist, I suppose, old school. He was like, you need to learn gi as well uh, as no gi. And then I just kind of stopped training for a bit after that, but then found another club which did a lot of gi. And I was like, I'm going to give it a try. And that was, in, that was the following year. So 2013, I started training there. Really small club, which probably encompasses a bunch of the stuff we'll talk about in terms of the coach uh, and stuff like that. But it was literally, it was in a fitness first in Leighton. And it was me, a Brazilian black belt who's really good, really good, really tough dudes. And maybe five big Polish dudes and a couple of Brazilian lads. And we just, we had the, back, the, the kind of studio and we would go in there. And it was the kind of gym where you go and you get beaten up for a couple of weeks to see if you come back. But I loved it. I, I got really into it. I was not long out of the army at the time. So I feel like, Jiu-Jitsu replaced a lot of those things, good and bad, in good and bad ways that I had missed. So, yeah, so that was 2013. And I've, I've trained at various places. We can get into it if you want. But at various places in London over the years uh, until I moved to Liverpool. I'm just interested in what you said there about some of the stuff it was replacing. And I'm sure we'll come back onto this later on in the conversation. But what, what kind of things do you mean there, just in terms of kind of the culture and the repetition or... Yeah, there is crossover. There is a lot of crossover with, I mean, uh, uh, we can get into that in terms of the history, the relationship of the military and reactionary stuff with um, with, with jiu-jitsu. But I think I miss just being around in a martial kind of environment with a bunch of dudes who were like into fighting and were quite aggro and aggressive. And that was a place I could do that. And even though I was, I was a lefty by then, you know, I was kind of committed to, to socialist politics. That was still something missing. And I was in that demographic, which I'm, I guess I'm still just about in. I think jiu-jitsu appeals to slightly listless, sad cases <laughs> in their 20s through their 40s 
who probably have some shit going on in their life, who are a bit unfulfilled, many of whom, I don't think me, but many of whom have like some weird daddy issues going on and they're looking for like a cult leader. This is the demographic, yeah. I'll be frank, of people who get into jiu-jitsu. Um, I wasn't into that, but a lot of those guys were. There was some, there was some quite bad politics going on in that gym. But it, it was replacing those, that kind of martial thing, which I was used to being in the military, and it was physical fitness. It was tough. It was challenging. And I, I kind of needed that quite badly, I think, at the time. Um, and it was weird because I kind of compartmentalized. My, my politics were one thing, and this was something I did to get away from politics. Now, inevitably, they've kind of merged, I think. But I was able at that time to compartmentalize it and overlook the fact that everyone was into like weird fucking conspiracy theories and cranky <laughs> shit um, just because it was somewhere I trained. Yeah. And I, and eventually I, could, I couldn't do that anymore, which is kind of where I am now with my own club that I started. Yeah, I was really I was trying to replace something. There's a lot of lost souls, particularly men who end up doing something jujitsu or something like it. It might be the Wim Hof shit. It might be something else, but you could, a lot of those things have an appeal to that particular demographic of blokes, basically, of sad blokes. And do you think that's... I'm always interested in that question as well with, like, what appeals to that demographic, especially, you know, speaking as a member of it myself. You know, is it something about the activity itself or is there something about the kind of cultural context that it exists within that it allows, you know... Yeah. You know, is it about the thing itself or is it just how it's presented and what it's adjacent to and the kind of culture that surrounds it? What do you think? I think there's an understandable appeal to doing something martial and tough. And jujitsu is, when you strip away all that shit, all the cultural shit, um, it is actually, I mean, it's great. I love it. I mean, in and of itself, and that's what I've tried to do with my more recent project, coaching jujitsu, is to say we don't need any of that shit. I think the fundamental problem is that some of the biggest advocates for Brazilian jiu-jitsu are massive fucking wankers <laughs> like <laughs> Joe Rogan, uh, Sam Harris, Jocko Willink, uh, Peterson and people like that also go on as a crossover with that that other kind of kind of milieu of influencers of like man, sad man influencers. Um, and I think that's the reason that people will watch that stuff and come in. Um, and fundamentally, I suppose, I mean, the way I come to think of it is that, yeah, they're often like damaged men of a particular age. It seems to be 20s through 40s and 50s who have fallen under the spell, as it were, of these these grifters uh, and these 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 figures, particularly Rogan and Willink and people like that. And there's a, almost, it's a kind of nexus of a load of weird shit. There's like a lot of those people, it kind of connects with veterans culture. There's a lot of high profile veterans. There's a couple of veterans charities, which do like veterans jujitsu. Then there's all the kind of, the kind of hallucinogenic shit, the ayahuasca, which merges with it. There's a lot of um, the kind of small business influencer, kind of petty bourgeois kind of stuff. Um, which merges with it as well. And a lot of um, the kind of Andrew Tate is more of a kickboxer, obviously. But there is it's this kind of, there's these kind of demagogues, I suppose, who are not in every, I don't think in every case they are far right in the in the sense of being fascists, all of them, but they're adjacent. And I think the problem is that, that those things have intermingled. And, and I think you can't get away from the fact that Joe Rogan is the big, biggest advocate for jujitsu, is himself a black belt. And lots of people watch that shit and other people around that. And that's their gateway into jujitsu. That's how they get like jujitsu pilled, if you like, <laughs> and find their way into it. And that was something I could overlook for a long time. 
um, as it it started to grade more as I went on. It's probably because also my politics shifted and developed, and in, I became more more of a rabid lefty, I suppose, and more more critical of those kind of things. It became untenable; they couldn't coexist anymore, and it started to grate a lot. Yeah, I mean, because that's partly my interest in coming into it. There's also for me a bit of a dissonance between my interest in combat sports and my politics. But what I find fascinating about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is the way it brushes up against cultural spheres that you're talking about there. But then also it shares that DNA with the alt health and then conspiracy theory culture that seems to really shape. Absolutely. Even the most mainstream theories about health and wellness now come from that sort of post-countercultural scene that has really kind of shifted and taken off in a really strange way. Um, it's huge. It's huge. And it, it also crosses over. I mean, I'm obviously, I live in Liverpool. This is fucking cosmic central, the cosmic, <laughs> the cosmic yeah. scouts, as I'm sure you're familiar with that term. And there is in MMA gyms, including very prominent people, also massive crossover with a kind of anti-BLM thing and a COVID anti-vax kind of conspiracy. There is huge crossover across. And the, the jiu-jitsu guys, the MMA people are really into that. And that crosses into all kinds of other, um, like the yoga people, the alternative health people. Um, and it's this huge mess. And I think the 2020, if there was a point when it, for a lot of us, I think, who are like, lefty combat sports people it was 2020 and the combat sports high profile combat sports people their reaction to blm and to covid was a clarifying moment in my opinion which was kind of waiting to happen because all of a sudden people who i never really thought of jiu-jitsu was an escape from politics for me and suddenly it became very apparent that a lot of people who i'd never seen really naively as political beasts were in fact massively right-wing, pro-cop, um, anti-vax, um, anti-black bigots. And, I mean, all, on top of that, and maybe that's a question we'll get into, jiu-jitsu specifically is deeply linked to fascism in Brazil. I mean, that's the other side of it. Uh, so that is, in a way that maybe in other sports it isn't, um, is baked in. It's baked into Brazilian jiu-jitsu, the, the Gracie's collusion with fascism in the old regime, but also with Bolsonaro and the Bolsonarist movement. I was going to ask you a little bit about the kind of culture in the gym, but actually I think that's quite an interesting thread and it's not something I really know much about. I mean, I know the history of Brazilian jiu-jitsu slightly as it emerges and the history of the Gracie family, but I'm, I'm less familiar with their relationship to Brazilian fascism. And I'm even less familiar with its relationship to kind of contemporary Brazilian fascism. So, yeah, I mean, like... If you could sketch that out for me, I'd be really interested to know kind of what that history looks like. It's um yeah, it's an interesting one. It's an interesting one. Um, the Gracies are are a Brazilian for a white, well off, relatively well off, but also still aspirational. There were some business failures. They were business people fundamentally, and they're also basically white settlers in Brazil. Gracie is a Scottish name, and in one of um. Robbie Burns' poems, there is a Gracie reference to who's an ancestor of the Gracies. There were Scottish settlers in in the New World. Um, and with that goes certain things, I guess. And they were the people, they claim to be the, the founders of the art, which has been disproven. But it's not widely known now. Lots of people contribute to the development of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. But they were the first people to bring it to the Anglophone world. And so they are, to Hollywood in particular, they're, they're great self-marketers, the, uh, the, the Gracies. But they were, one way or another, they were, it's fair to say they were kind of 
a big part of the development of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Um, and during the period of fascism in Brazil, they were very close to the, the fascist regime. And they're kind of a clan. They, they frame themselves very much as kind of pro... They were almost like proto-influencers talking about health and diet and, and ethics and, and very all with a very reactionary bend. Yeah, they. Uh, I mean, they're, they're, there's a whole case study which should be made um, of these guys, but they're basically a group of very right-wing street thugs. They would go to other people's gyms and start fights and brawl in the streets, and they were excellent self-promoters. There was a thriving um, cultural scene in Brazil around different kinds of show fighting, um, and there's some great books. There's a brilliant book. I can't remember the uh, Padernas is his surname. The author called a brilliant book called Shock C H O. Q-U-E, which means um, shock rather than choke. I think people often think it means choke, about the development of, of jiu-jitsu based on um, newspaper reportings of their various claims, debunking their various claims about, about how good their fight records were and stuff like that. But that has also continued today. A number of the senior Gracies, including one who was locked up, who was a lefty under the old regime and was locked up by the old regime, but has since swung right. Um, awarded Bolsonaro an honorary black belt, Henzo Gracie, who's one of the most prominent sons who teaches in New York um, and likes to quote Hitler online and stuff like that, was uh, made an ambassador, uh, a Brazilian ambassador by Bolsonaro, as I understand it. Um, so th these links with uh, the old regime, of, uh, during which, as I understand it, Bolsonaro was a paratrooper in the army, um, a, a kind of door-kicking fascist, um, uh, they've been re reconditioned and recalibrated today, and it's in, it's very interesting. In the last, going into the second round, I think of the Brazilian elections, a bunch of very high profile jiu-jitsu people, particularly a guy called Bushesha, who's like eleven times world champion, did a post as many other prominent jiu-jitsu people have endorsing Bolsonaro, a picture of him and Bolsonaro and lots of other famous black belts. And then in the comments, lots and lots of more famous black belts endorsing Bolsonaro, kind of like Neymar and uh, Fabinho and these other people have um, from the footballing world. And so those links are very true. I mean, Bichesha is an interesting case. He's like a, a huge figure phys physically and, and in terms <laughs> of the culture. He's a big yeah. heavyweight. Um, interestingly, his, his best friend, Leandro Lowe, was shot and killed by an off-duty Bolsonarist police officer in a nightclub in uh, in Sao Paulo. Murdered, it sounds like, pending the outcome of that case, by a Bolsonarist supporting military cop only a few months ago. But um, clearly can't make the connection between this. Uh, and Leandro Lowe, who was killed, was another icon of the sport, uh, between the, the, the Bolsonarist relationships with the police force and, and military and how fucking nasty all that shit is. A lot of those guys can't seem to make the connection. And that's probably because, demo I mean, demographically, a lot of the, the Brazilian jiu-jitsu, the big figures are white Brazilians, athletes. Um, they belong to the kind of athlete stroke business class. They have gyms of their own, et cetera, et cetera. It's much rarer that athletes from the favelas and stuff make it to the States. And so these high-profile guys are normally middle-class white playboy Brazilians. And that is that is Bolsonaro's base. So it's understandable that they would also be have fascist leanings, whether they acknowledge those or not, or understand that that process or not. And so so fascist ideas are baked into jiu-jitsu. And Brazilian jiu-jitsu was kind of part of it, it. It's part of like a lot of martial arts. There's a relationship, a historical relationship to the state, 
to the military, to the formation of national identity and the health of the nation and all this weird fash, fash kind of shit about the body beautiful, et cetera, et cetera. And it's deeply related that on the flip side of that, you have the, the martial arts from the, the lower end, the lower stratas, which are capoeira and luta livre. Capoeira was the kind of slave art, the one that's famously looks like a dance. And luta livre is basically catch wrestling, which is, it looks like jiu-jitsu, but it doesn't have a gi because gis are expensive. It's expensive to wash a gi in Brazil to go to the laundry. So they would fight without. So they're the original no-gi. And these conflicts play out in the history of, combat sports in Brazil, you'd have the ruling class, Gracie versus the lower class, these various lower class figures who are often black. Uh, and they would have these huge kind of no rules, no time limit, brutal matches, which were kind of a, an expression of class antagonism, I suppose, in Brazil. But yeah, I mean, it, it's, a, it's always, a, it's a strange thing. I, I think Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is fabulous and I love it. But at the same time, it is absolutely riddled <laughs> the worst people and politics um, you can find on the face of the earth. So it's a, it's a strange beast. And my, my effort has been to say we don't need any of that shit and we can still have the art. It's not integral. It's just tacked on. It's also interesting the way that via UFC, and so for people that are listening, UFC, Ultimate Fighting Championship, Mixed Martial Arts has this shared heritage with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And that's, that's really framed it's kind of positioned that, you know, going back to Joe Rogan in this world, sort of putting the cart before the horse, there's this whole relationship with Trumpism and Donald Trump sort of directly getting involved with the beginning of the UFC. And in the North American context, those whole, those spheres are really closely interlinked culturally, but also kind of materially. So, I mean, maybe this would be a good point, actually, is to kind of swing back from the kind of hellscape that, you know, we're kind of making <laughs> Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu sound like. I mean, to put a pin in all of all of that stuff, I mean, what do people get from it? I mean, a lot of people talk about the sense of community that it brings them. A lot of people talk about how it changed their relationship to their ego. I mean, how, 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 what do people get from it that gives them so much, you know, whilst pausing all this other stuff in the background? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I would, I would to linger briefly, I would say it can improve your ego, but the idea that there's, a, there's it's one of the kind of marketing gimmicks that like the jujitsu journey and all this kind of crap, that black belts <laughs> don't have egos. Believe me, there are plenty of black belts out there with massive egos and who are dicks, <laughs> to, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, very often those, those things ride very close. Being a dick and being a black belt ride very closely together. That said, jujitsu, yeah, it is. You can build a fantastic community around it. I think that's what we've been trying to do. It's very engaging mentally. It's, it can be very intellectual. It attracts two kinds of people, I think, nerds and meatheads. And I don't actually, it attracts other people as well because I don't think I'm either of those particularly. <laughs> I think if you, if you were to divide it up, really nerdy people who want to know how to like, get back at school bully with technique and leverage and just meatheads, but yeah, it can it can be part of the appeal is it can also be intellectually stimulating. It's very difficult physically and mentally. It does have that chess-like element. It is true where you're trying to think moves ahead. For me, coming into it when I was kind of come out not long out of the army, I was in that transitional phase dealing with all the transitional shit. Um, it meant I couldn't think about anything else for a couple of hours because you'll get tapped out. You get to, if you think about other shit, you can't daydream. 
because you, you have to be there, you have to be present, which was very useful and kind of therapeutic to me. I reject the idea that a lot of people are like jujitsu is my therapy. And no, get therapy. It's not. <laughs> but it can, it does have therapeutic effects. I think it can be good. I think a lot of that is, is I mean, one thing about Brazilian jujitsu is unlike maybe boxing, which I also have done and love, you can't just hit a pad. You can't shadow box. You have to have other people to practice on. There's no grappling dummy that's been invented good enough that you can just just do that on your own. And so that that's it's, you're forced to seek out other people. So I mean, socially, it can it, you know it's good in that way. Yeah, I mean, it's good on so many so many fronts. I, I'm also very cautious. Some jujitsu instructors will be like, jujitsu is self defense, and it's not. It's not adequate for self defense. That's bullshit. But it has applications for that. As applications of self-defense, so it can be useful in that, as alongside other learning to fight in other ranges and all the non-physical and verbal stuff that should go with proper self-protection. Um, it obviously, as applicants, if you want to do MMA, you have to at least understand jiu-jitsu in its own right. If you just want to do gi or no gi competition, that is there as well, and it can I think it can improve you. If you just want to train and have fun, it's also great fun. Uh, as long as it's a, a healthy environment, not all gyms are, in fact, a lot of gyms aren't, um, but they, I mean, there are many, many good things, many good things about it. And I suppose the the project is to met, retain that. I kind of made a bet with myself at some point, you can get rid of all the crap that we just pinned a minute ago and it would still be good. And you should do that because jujitsu is hard enough as it is. It can be really, it's tough and it can be demoralizing when you get, you know, beaten up by a 16-year-old girl who's been training a year and you're a meathead who goes to the gym all the time. It can be really demoralising. Um, but but it's it's also very rewarding and good. And we can make it better and more. We can increase retention of people if we strip out all the crap and just have um, the challenges inherent to jiu-jitsu are enough to keep you interested, I think. And, and so if we get rid of all the others, uh, it will be better, objectively, I think. Yeah, I want to come on to the project you're doing at the minute in a moment. But just first, I wanted to ask you about the sort of gendered element of it, because as a fan or a sort of outsider looking in, the 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 sort of way gender operates in jujitsu and also in the kind of MMA world, it's kind of there's some complexity to it because in some sense it's a very male dominated space. It's certainly a very kind of like. Uh, uh, in some ways, kind of homophobic and transphobic space. Um, yeah, absolutely. On the one hand, but then on the other hand, there's very few other kind of sporting spectacles in the world where the headline event will be two women. You know, very often one of them will be a, a queer woman fighting, and they'll command a huge amount of respect in the sport, and you know, be on the bill above other men. I mean, you know, other sports that we might think of as more progressive in some ways still kind of lack that kind of thing i mean how do you see i mean it's a big question but how, how do you start to think about the gender politics of something like brazilian jiu-jitsu well i suppose i suppose you, well, our main aim um at comunidad is is recreational um and so it's, it's it's about kind of equality on the mats i suppose which is something we we work towards all the time yeah, it's. I suppose. Yeah, I mean, it probably it probably is unique that you would see like a Molly McCann and in MMA. That is, and I'm not weirdly. I'm not a massive MMA person. Some people are really into it. Do jiu-jitsu. I'm just not. I'm like, yeah. But I will watch it. I will watch it occasionally. But yeah, I suppose it is. It's an interesting question, isn't it? Because you will see like big headline uh, women headlining, which probably is unusual when you look at the the big disparity between um like men's and women's football. 
etc etc i suppose i suppose there's an interesting question i think it's still more that way in brazilian jiu-jitsu competitive brazilian jiu-jitsu but brazilian jiu-jitsu in the main organization ibjjf is is um is not professional yet it's been professionalized to some extent but it doesn't have the they're not paid for it their money comes from sponsorships and maybe seminars that they teach it's kind of moving that way in terms of professionalization and drug testing, which a lot of people have fallen foul to, because there's lots of people who love the the bomba, the bomba as they call it. <laughs> What's that? What's that? But steroids, basically, right. they call it the bomba. Yeah, as in, but I guess that's bomb in Portuguese. And you can look at some of these guys and see that. Yeah, no, I think no, uh, nogi, the big nogi cards are becoming much more professional, quicker. Uh, is is my impression. But yeah, it's kind of something we we deal with all the time it's stuck with me that in the clubs i've trained at not all of them to be fair but the first one for example in terms of just wanting to train jiu-jitsu it would be very hard to walk into to have walked into that gym as a woman or a trans person or like a a gay person it would have been really fucking tough to do that because it was that place and those people were not amenable to that other gyms i've trained at are better have been better and I imagine it's very inconsistent across gyms uh, but I also imagine some gyms which are relatively welcoming to um, people from particular minority backgrounds are also still really right-wing about about loads of shit I know you know there's plenty of women who are into like conspiracist shit and kind of Trump and support Bolsonaro and love the cops uh, and so on so I imagine it's very inconsistent it's probably particularly pronounced in the states to kind of I mean, one of the things that came out of BLM was the kind of adopt-a-cop, this bizarre adopt-a-cop scheme. Teach them to be better killers, in effect, better better at restraining people because then there'll be less deaths. There's a whole bizarre cop-loving logic to that. But, but yeah, it's it's it, it's probably fairly inconsistent across the sport. Jiu-Jitsu isn't there with MMA in terms of like professionalisation and pay and stuff like that. So it's harder to read things like maybe pay equality um, uh, you know, it's much harder to, to make a, a a measure of that. I think at the moment, anyway. Yeah. So let's talk about um, Comunidad Jiu Jitsu. Your project mm-hmm. previously crank free Jiu Jitsu. I'm not sure if yeah uh, <laughs> for a while. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We so changed. How... I love that name. I love that name. Though lots of people call lots of different people cranks. I know, like everyone from the like hard remain to Stalinist love to call everyone else cranks. And I did, I like the, the name had a certain like venom to it. And I like that, but it's not always clear which cranks we're talking about. And, and, and we're, we're becoming a, a CIC. We're going to, to be, be like a kind of social enterprise community interest. And Crank Free, Crank Free is maybe over, too overtly political um, um, for that. But that was the original name. And I basically, I moved to Liverpool. I trained at various places. The last place I trained in London was Carlson, Carlson South with a really cool guy called Martin and then COVID hit and it's the worst sport possible for COVID and then last year uh, we decided to move up to Liverpool and I kind of was looking at gyms tried a couple of gyms one of them was a guy a guy who's basically I didn't know at the time he's a massive COVID conspiracist <laughs> uh, one of the guys I think he's an ex-UFC guy and I think a lot of the black belts and brown belts are around that kind of cosmic scouser politics and that wasn't super apparent but there's a couple of times on the mat i'm sat waiting to roll and there's a guy muttering about the the agenda 
the, <laughs> and the you know the, the lizards or whatever with the guy with facial tattoos muttering about conspiracies and shit. And I'm like, that's fucking anti-Semitic, bro. I think I'm out. No, no one's pulling him up about this, but I think I'm probably out of here. And another gym, which was which they only trained for an hour, and an hour isn't long enough if you want to spar because sparring is the big component of jiu-jitsu. But that, so that there wasn't really anywhere I wanted to train, and I was definitely coming up. Well, I was probably a brown belt a few years ago. I was I was the eternal purple because I fell out fell out with a coach who was not a crank but was a was a grifter, and uh, I just basically just put a call out on Twitter and said I want to start a jiu-jitsu school. The, and the underlying principle is I don't want to train with dickheads. I want to train with like nice people who who are not racists and do not are not like flat earthers. And just talk about ayahuasca and and Jordan Peterson, how great Jordan Peterson is, and and people started to come forward. Some many of whom had trained before uh, in other places and had been like, "Yeah, that's I really like it, but that's weird. That place is weird. There's some weird vibes coming out." So we completely we just came up with the name Crank Free and started training in a little place, a little um, worn, rundown boxing center, which we've left now with some very strange people running it in a uh, stock stuff. In uh, in South Liverpool, uh, but yeah, we built a group of people, and we we we've kind of shaped what we want to achieve. We want it first and foremost; it's invite only, so we want to know who you are. We, we will ask to see your social media and and talk. We want to talk to you because a lot. The thing in Liverpool is everyone claims to be. There's kind of a base level of claiming to be left wing. Everyone hates the Tories, and uh, and that just hating the Tories still allows for a lot of bad politics. It's a, it's a, it's it's a lazy. It's the lowest common domin- denominator of um, left-wing politics, and there are people in Liverpool who are like, yeah, I hate the Tories, law, and yet they are also massive cranks and bigots and racists and misogynists or whatever. And so, it, 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 Liverpool is a more difficult terrain, maybe, because everyone is kind of thinks of themselves as, as left-wing because of, I mean, for valid reasons, because of Hillsborough, because of the Tories, etc. Managed to climb, uh, but we, yeah, we want to know who people are. And we want it to be for LGBT people can come in and train, and they won't be they'll be treated well and respected. Um, we've done some work, put some sessions on for there's a, an organisation which is for men recovering from addiction, and we've had them come down. Um, and we want to start expanding expanding it for um, refugee families, people of colour, particularly you know women's sessions, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We've basically we've abandoned all the culty shit. We don't bow. We don't say us. We don't bow to pictures of dead fascists. None of that. You just come in and train. I find all that very childish. Even though I did it for many years, uh, hindsight, why would I? Why would I bow to a picture of a dead dead fascist, gracefully? Um, so we stripped or we just turn up, and we train, and we try and have a laugh, and that's that's it. And we we try to make it inclusive, and it's a work in progress. We've renamed from Crank Free to Comunidad uh, Jiu Jitsu, and we're we're in the process of doing the CIC application, and we train at a cool little place, kind of roundabout Wavertree ends in Liverpool, and um, yeah, it's a it's a small gym. We get maybe like eight ten people on the mats, which is ideal for one coach, I think, and the, the people are progressing really quickly. People seem happy. And yeah, we're about to kind of move to the next stage, uh, but we will. I think we will always maintain, for example, the invite only thing. We want to know. We want to know who you are. Uh, we want to know that you're. We're not going to find out two weeks down the line that you 
I think the problem is that a lot of it is a lot of stuff is coded, isn't it, as banter, particularly for guys. And it's still mostly guys. It's still mostly guys in that demographic. We discussed with guy, and um, we want to know that um, we're not going to have to kick you out two weeks down the line because it's a pain in the ass. It's a pain in the ass for us, and it's we want to protect protect our people and make sure they're safe and happy and can be themselves on our mats, you know? Yeah. And do you, do you feel sort of part of a broader community of a left-wing combat sport contingent? I mean, is, is that a broader community you feel wired into? Yeah, hundred percent. A lot of guys in the States, a lot of guys in the States, there's some great, there's a great um, gym in, uh, in Long Island called Sucker Free. A guy called uh, Weiss Zakazada, who's a brilliant jiu-jitsu practitioner. Our original name was modelled on uh, on his name, Crank Free, Sucker Free. Uh, so there are guys. There's a couple of other guys in the in the, around the um, I guess the Eastern Seaboard around Philly and New York and and stuff. There's a guy who came and gave me my brown belt, which I've formatively hung up on the chair. I know we don't have video, but it is there. Yeah, good to mention it. Get it in. <laughs> a guy, guy who's um, who's a who's a Henzo Gracie black belt of all people, but has trained. Trained for 18 years as a fantastic black belt. Christian Pierce, he came over and gave me my brown belt. He moved to Geneva um, a, a few years ago, I think. And so he's he's a really good associate and kind of mentor. Uh, I talked to him a lot about syllabuses and just what's going on. And he's very plugged into what's going on in jiu-jitsu. There's a lot of, um, there's kind of a spectrum. There are the red gyms, obviously. And there's some great people, Brighton. Uh, and all at Manchester who do that kind of closed doors, red gyms, anti-fascist kind of stuff. I don't think we're quite that. We're more of a, uh, we're not a mainstream gym because we're invite only, but we're let, we're not like closed doors in, in, to the de- degree that they maybe are. But we, we're down with those, we're down with those people. Uh, and there, could we share their anti-fascist politics, I think. But yeah, there's a whole group and, and across, across, there's boxers, there's kickboxers, there's Muay Thai people, there's MMA gyms, judo, um, uh, BJJ, and we, there is a network. There's a bunch of people who, and we all approach it differently. We all kind of approach it slightly differently, I think. But there are plenty of people out there who who just want to train and not have the bullshit, which can go with, which is often baked into martial arts, the kind of reactionary stuff which goes with it. And so there is a network, and we do um, we do talk about stuff, and we kind of buzz off each other and shape what we do around what the other ones are doing and and uh hopefully down the line we could uh, some of those guys run like competitions hopefully we can have some meetups if, if my guys want to compete we're not a competition gym per se i've competed a bit but take i can take it or leave it i don't really care i just i just like to train but hopefully we can have an opportunity to you know meet up and do some do some competitions throw our guys in with their guys and stuff like that that'll be really cool yeah and it is, is there ever a sense of kind of discord with the more mainstream community or is there a, is there a kind of dialogue there? Because, I mean, there must be, I mean, a lot of this stuff is widespread, you know, conspiracy theories, the kind of anti-Semitic undertones and other things we talked about. Yeah. But there's also, there must be a huge amount of people in these gyms that just think, well, I'll just kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. put it to yeah. the side. I mean, how, how do you feel me. like? Yeah, that was me for a long time. That was me for a long time. And a lot of people, I know a lot of people who are still at mainstream gyms who maybe who are good people, who have good politics, but stay out of loyalty or it's just close to their house. And I'm not I'm not going to like, I did that for years, so I'm not going to hate on those people. You know, I can ignore the fact that the coach is a massive misogynist who, who you know, or whatever, to a point, I could do that for a while. I found it increasingly hard as I went along, but I understand why people stay at gyms. There's definitely been some pushback 
I think. It's also a thing where, like, whenever you start something new, like there's a there was one of the football organisations started doing football for. They did some football sessions for like refugees. I think they did some football sessions for like LGBT groups, and they got loads of the more mainstream ones attacked it because they're fucking bigots. Yeah, you've got to call it out for what it is. They don't like. They don't. They think we're a, we're um we're kind of. Uh, I've been very clear from the start. We don't want your students. We the last thing we want in the world is your students. Like, please keep them. Please keep them. <laughs> we'll find our own. Uh, but there are some guys who who will who train at other mainstream gyms who will who I know or some of the guys know and they'll pop down. They're happy with their gym for the most part, but they'll pop down for a training session and that's fine. It's more that we just want to know who you are. And we understand that the the terrain of just Brazilian jiu-jitsu is full of reactionary shit, but we know not everyone's like that because many of us have trained in those environments for, for years uh, in, in some cases. So we'll welcome anyone who agrees with our values. But we're not. What we don't do is the kind of drop-ins, like people. I think there's a thing where people people will get in touch and be, can I drop in because they want to check out what's going on? And it's like, no. As a general rule, if you're, if we don't know you and you're training somewhere else, we're obviously not going to let you in to come and scout it out. We definitely had some pushback from some other gyms who, who uh, we were mentioned in an article um, about bad politics in jiu-jitsu on Scallymag, which is a local magazine. Um, run by a scouser, you can tell, uh, who critiqued some of the conspiracy shit and the anti-vax shit, and there was some pushback on that. Um, and it's like we like we we want nothing to do with you. Like we don't we don't care what you're doing, and we're just we're training in our group and we're trying to build our thing. If you're a nice person, we'll engage with you. We have we have guys come and uh, who come and give seminars, black belts and brown belts, who kind of share our vision to some to a, to an extent, which is workable for us. And we you know we can we can do all that. Without being in your jujitsu community, your family family of um, uh, conspiraloons and anti-vaxxers, and do and do you, you mostly do you, do you mostly take on um, do you mostly take on people that are already practicing that are already in you know have some experience with jujitsu or do you take on like total beginners? The mix. Really, I think COVID kind of kind of interrupted a lot of people had been training somewhere. Uh, and COVID messed it up. Or they they'd done like the ten, the three month kind of beginner course and realised they loved the sport, but that the coaches were weirdos, and they wanted to train. And then obviously, um, community dad appeals to them because because it doesn't have the the weird shit, but it has the good shit. Uh, and some people are complete beginners. I think when we our the most training anyone had had was a couple of months, apart from me. And a couple of a couple of guys who like train somewhere else but drop in, a couple of like coloured belts, like not white belts, who who who've trained for like three or four years. Uh, but on the mo- for the most part, they they were all broadly speaking beginners, really. So yeah, a mix a mix of people really, uh, and other people have trained like a bit of MMA, a bit of kickboxing, or, or whatever. But yeah, I mean, we'll take anyone. The, the main thing is the values, the values, and the demographic is very broad. We've got people in their fifties. And we've got um, people in their in their twenties from all kinds of backgrounds. This might be sort of uh, sort of one of the last things I ask you, and it's it's a slightly un unformed question. But um, mm-hmm. to flip the question on its head a little bit, I mean, what role does something like Brazilian Jiu Jitsu play in like a leftist project? Thinking about how we build community and working class and yeah. you know, otherwise communities, how do we build a kind of health into our communities and not a kind of health that's built on kind of whack job kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. you know fascist stuff i mean 
What what role does Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu play in something like that? I think it's it has to be central, like health. I think there's a there's a there's a small section of the left who like anything about sport is basically fascism. <laughs> um, I think that does not remotely remotely reflect the history of like working class sporting movements, like the boxing, the football, and the, the you know the foot the great football clubs that have been built from the bottom up by working class people, often people who who are, you know trade unionists and so on and so on, um, and the, the community and stuff that comes with with that. Uh, and the solidarity that comes with that and the kind of with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu like respecting each other's bodies like we operate according to something called consent ethics which is basically the same as consent as any, any other area of your life I mean there's a lot of crossover with other problems which we, we're trying to address as kind of socialists like the treatment of people and respect for their bodies etc cetera, etc cetera. there's a lot and I think sport and fitness and health should be central it should be absolutely central and there's a long history of this in radical movements yeah i think you should be central and also i mean just under that martial arts generally not just jiu-jitsu i'm not one of these people who's like yeah pull guard when you're doing a counter protest to the fucking edl or whatever because it's not <laughs> it's not very sensible but generally speaking it's, it's a component of how to fight and survive these are reactionary times yeah things are get vicious and climate change is coming and authoritarian capitalism is emerging more and more every day and you need to think about how to protect yourself and i don't just mean learning how to fight i mean the whole the whole suite of like everything from de-escalation and situational awareness to the physical skills as if you're on the left i think you should be able to uh handle yourself in the in in physical potential physical altercations and be fit and healthy and Activism is a, is stressful, man. It's stressful and it burns you out. And physical health often falls by the wayside uh, when you are politically active, and it shouldn't. It shouldn't. I think the the kind of the, the younger generation of millennials and uh, and the newer lot are kind of aware of that. I know lots of people on the left who run or whatever, uh, but I think I think it should be expanded more. And also, these organisations are places of mutual aid and solidarity. Like we train together and we fight each other. But when someone else needs a hand, um, moving house or or whatever it is, or a lift, and there's a network of people, you're less isolated when you're in one of these sports clubs. And that's also true for like non-political or less political kind of sports clubs as well. That, that you know, you just help. There's a community there that helps you out. So there's a strong element of mutual aid in there as well. I know a lot of the guys in the states also, um, they do their they run their gyms, but they're also involved in food banks. And trade union organizing and all kinds of other other stuff they won like uh there's a there's a gym in uh, i want to say minnesota but i might be wrong who have like um queer indie open mat and stuff like that there's all kinds of ways in which these these little communities are good so, and say that again so what was that it's like they call it that queer indie open mat so it's like only only for lgbt people they all go down and roll right like, okay so they do do stuff so you can meet other people going through similar struggles as you um and that, i mean that's one example but there are many others but if you're on the left you should be concerned about your health because there's there's work to do isn't there and it, it, it it's better it's easier to do if you're healthy and engaged and it's man it's a dangerous world and it's not getting any better quite yet <laughs> you know it's you need to be able to handle yourself i mean that's the bottom line isn't it i think i kind of think if you're if you're a fascist you're already committed to violence you're already committed to to you've made a commitment to to, to stop putting the boot heel on 
um, gay people or trans people or trade unionists or communists or whatever. Um, it's not to say we, as on the left, you want to make a commitment to violence, but you should be able to handle yourself in, in these situations, physically and non-physically. And I think martial arts clubs are the places to learn those learn those skills and have a have a team around you, have a community around you. So I think it's it needs to be these need to be expanded, not just martial arts, but also like any like lefty football, you know, boxing or or whatever, you know, tiddlywinks, whatever. Like start start these things. Because it's it's also about self-activity. You know, just just kick this stuff off. Just do it. I had no idea. I still have no idea what I'm doing. Um, I, <laughs> it as a jiu-jitsu practitioner and as a as an organizer, but but uh, you know, I think we've we've already had some really positive outcomes and people people who are a bit down and isolated feel a lot better and they're, and they're a hell of a lot tougher than they were in March when we started. Thank you for listening and thank you to Joe for a wonderful conversation. If you'd like to know more about Comunidad Jiu-Jitsu, you can follow them on Twitter at CommunidadBJJ. And if you would like to follow the podcast, you can do so at red underscore medicine underscore underscore. If you want to support the podcast, please give this episode a five-star review, share it on social media, and consider donating some money via the website which contributes to covering various costs. In the next episode, I'll be speaking to Sophie Lewis about how the institution of the family shapes health and capitalism. Take care until then.